yeah, I could have just as easily made that choice to be frustrated with everything around me. And I just made the choice to, to not be and to take as much control as I could and to come out of it saying, I did this, I did that. And that was a choice. A, cho- a choice that's tough to make too, because you have to constantly make that choice. It's not like you make that choice one. Like if you make the choice to give up, then you just give up. But if you make the choice to repetitively and consistently show up, you have to make that choice every single day. And I think that's a big difference. Okay. Three, two, one. Wow, that was loud. That was a strong <laughs> clap. Very strong clap. <laughs> Hey friends, it's Nicole and Kate, your girls from across the globe, Sydney, Australia, and Puerto Rico to be exact, and we're so excited to be sharing this time with you. Get ready for a candid convo with us, Nicole and Kate. Throughout this podcast, we'll be sharing our own experiences and thoughts in the hopes that you realize that one, you're not alone, and two, that open and honest convos can lead to awesome discoveries, shifts in perspectives, and energy to move ahead with confidence. Because that's what real friends do. They provide love, support, and space for one another to share without judgment, speak without hesitation, and to learn from each other, even when we don't agree. And with that, let's dive in. Oh, Nicole, when you mentioned COVID-19 as a potential episode topic, I immediately thought to myself, yes, this is something that we can all relate to kind of got me thinking back to what kind of seems like a decade ago, but was really just March of 2020. (laughs) Um, And a group of friends here in Puerto Rico, we decided to go out on this island adventure together. This is maybe like the beginning of the second week of March. And we hiked to this beautiful waterfall. There's some cliff jumps there. They have like a rope swing. You can just swim in this fresh pond. It's absolutely beautiful up in the rainforest. And on the way home, we decided, hey, let's go to a restaurant, grab a great meal. So we stop on the way home. We're at this beautiful restaurant. It's overlooking the Caribbean ocean. The sun's going down. I mean, it was just like a perfect setting, right? There's maybe like 12 of us. So it was a good sized group. And our waiter came over to the table and was like, guys, your food's coming out right now. Um, just to let you know, I just got an alert on my phone. You might have to eat a little bit fast because we have to close at 6 p.m. tonight. And we were like, oh, why? And he said, we just found out that Puerto Rico is shutting down, that everybody has to go home. We are going into lockdown. There's going to be a curfew. You can't be out after like 7 p.m. or whatever it was in the very beginning. And... We, I remember looking around the table at everyone and thinking, like, can this actually be happening right now? Like, it felt so bizarre that we were, like, you know, being told that we had to go home and that places were going to be closing. And who it was also new, right? And it seemed like it just happened, like, so fast. And within, you know, days of that... We were canceling trips and plans, and it really started to sink in that COVID would be around for a while. And I've continued to struggle with what a new normal might look like now for almost two years, which is (laughs) wild to think about. Um, 
So what was your experience around that time? Like, can you take yourself back to the beginning of 2020 and kind of what it was like going into lockdown? Like, what were you doing around that time? And what was that experience like for you? Oh, yeah. March of 2020, it's easy to remember only because we were on our trip to Japan. Yes. Yeah, it was. And that was a special trip because it was for Omar's 40th. He'd never been to Japan, had always wanted to go to Japan. And I, you know, I had told him a a whole bunch of stories about my time there. So it was all very, very exciting. And even though I had left Japan very uh, eager to come home and we're talking 19 19 years because I left. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I left in, yeah, 2003. Uh, So, well, so no, the math doesn't work out, but it's close to, close to a long time. Yeah. (laughs) Close to that. Um, And I was really excited to go back. So, so we spent 10 days. We were in Japan at the beginning of March for 10 days. The first half of it was spent in Tokyo such a great time. We just did all the typical things that you'd want to do, the karaoke, the thing is just before leaving, we were tra- we were checking the government travel site to see if there were any restrictions because there were there was talk about covid this thing, but it was very either I wasn't paying attention or we all didn't know. It was nothing solidified as in like this is a definite threat and now life is going to change. It was all still very vague. So there were no restrictions to go to Japan. And at the time and earlier prior to that, when we actually had booked that flight, the flight was full. But the day that we actually got on the flight, it was a third um, full. So two thirds no of it. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Did you guys think as you were getting on, like, whoa, this is kind of strange? Yes. I remember thinking yeah. it was strange, but still not really. You're like, I'm going to Japan. Yeah, not, not really too <laughs> yeah. bothered, almost a little bit blissfully naive. Um, so we did that whole first part of it uh, was about, yeah, six, seven days in Tokyo. And then the last few days, um, we went to a little town called Hakuba. It was a, uh, it was a village in, in um, the Nagano prefecture so that Omar could snowboard and I could just chill out in our little uh, bed and breakfast. And it was in those last three days where it became apparent that something was happening in the world that was, okay, serious now. Um, and I remember because Omar would be out on the slopes all day. I had a little bit more time. I was chilling out. And I remember getting forwards or videos, messages from friends and family showing like uh, scenes of the panic buying. And Mm. it just seemed like there was this frenzy happening from back home. Mostly, I think there were, yeah, little clips from Australia. And Mm. I remember thinking, what's happening? What's going on? Because juxtaposed was this experience that I was having and that we were having in this sleepy little village, little town in Japan, where there was toilet paper. The shelves weren't empty because this is what I was saying, right, right, from all these clips. And it seemed like everything was just calm. And it was really, and I do remember feeling quite anxious and stressed and thinking, mm. 
okay, do we change our flight? And I remember it was just literally just such a short window. We couldn't even change our flight because we were about to, to travel to come home. And when we did get on that flight and when we did land in Sydney, they had announced the lockdown and that returning travellers, we had to um, isolate for 14 days. Oh, just like in your own home or in our own home. Okay. Okay. In our own home. And then I think a week later or just a couple of weeks later, then it turned into the hotel quarantine. Mm -hmm. Like full lockdown. Full lockdown. And so we felt like, ooh, narrow escape. Like can you imagine having to come back? Oh gosh. I don't even know if we had our laptops with us. And now I think after that experience and and during this time, (laughs) we're like, we're always taking, make sure we have our laptops, our mic. Yeah. um, Because, Yeah. We might have to, we might, you might get stuck somewhere, right? Well, I remember, you know, this is wild. I don't know if you remember this too, but we were chatting while you were in Tokyo, like sending WhatsApps. And I remember you sending me some pictures and I was like, oh, how's everything going? And you're like, it's great. We're going, you know, the restaurants are open. Like there's no, nobody's talking about this over here. Like you would not even know that anything's happening. And, you know, I don't think any of us would have ever expected or been able to anticipate what we've been through the past couple Mm -hmm. of years, because I don't know anyone who's been through something like this. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to think that so fast overnight, Mm -hmm. it went from something's happening way in a far corner of our world that isn't going to affect us because it's so far away to nope it's here this is real and and your life changed overnight really yeah yeah it's wild and the when you're talking about like the different experiences so part of i because i had lived in japan masks were a really common thing mm-hmm. um so seeing people wearing masks that was that was a normal thing right. i remember the hand sanitizers at the front of any venue that you went into, especially restaurants. Um, But again, Japan is very clean. It's one of the things that you notice when you're in Japan is how clean things are. And I thought, well, this is probably just common practice. And there was nothing odd about it. And to think that it would become so commonplace, you know, back home in Australia and then everywhere around the world. Everywhere, yeah. I remember, I mean, it really wasn't, it was not too long before, you know, all the new rules and restrictions and travel requirements and everything came into place that I remember boarding a Southwest flight, just like inter, like domestic travel. And again, this was before COVID and Southwest, you choose your own seat, right? Mm -hmm. They don't, they're one of the very few, I think maybe the only airline that doesn't assign seats. So you choose. And I was, I had paid extra to be like in the early boarding group and I got on and there was a woman sitting in a row and she was wearing a mask. And I thought, oh, either she really doesn't like being on planes and is like maybe worried about catching something or she's wicked smart because maybe somebody's going to see her wearing a mask, think that she's sick and not want to sit next to her. (laughs) So I was like, she's trying to get the road to herself or what's going on here? (laughs) But yeah, I mean, now, of course, I I know that there are some places in the States for sure. I don't know, of course, across the world. And, you know, we should 
disclaim that neither you or I are medical professionals or mm. biologists or scientists or any of that. We're just sharing our own personal experience here. But I do know that there are some places in the states where um, there is not a mask mandate. And this is changing all the time, right? So, so whenever mm. you're hearing this, maybe things are completely different. Mm. But I was back home in San Diego not too long ago. And uh, you didn't have to wear a mask in the stores if you were vaccinated. It was kind of like your choice. Mm. And it was very refreshing to, you know, because at the beginning, it was a lot of like, okay, the quarantine is extended two weeks at the end of those two weeks, like we can go back to normal. Mm -hmm. And then it was like a couple of months. And then it was six months. And then it was a year. And then, you know, I feel like that it keeps getting like pulled further and further, right? And so it was kind of it felt like some type of normalcy to go into a store and not have a mask on. Mm. But yeah, again, that's constantly changing, right? Yeah. And you, you know, the whole trying to make things feel normal, I get that. But then what happens is, so the example with the mask mandate, that, that was the same thing here in Sydney. There were, there were times where it's like, okay, you have to wear a mask on public transport everywhere. And then there's a time when, okay, we're easing restrictions now. Masks can come off. And then a few months later, masks have to come back on. And it's the confusion is really frustrating, I think, for a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, my perspective is, again, because I had that perspective of having lived in Japan and masks are such a normal thing. It's like no big mm -hmm. deal. But when it's something very new and different... Um, I guess it can be unsettling for people, but my perspective was just like, well, what's the big deal? Keep the masks on because they, you know, they seem to work. There's, <laughs> there's a reason why they exist. Um, I don't think that's really the, the big problem. I don't know that that is the most uncomfortable thing for people. What's the most uncomfortable, the most distressing thing is having to isolate, being in lockdown, not, you know, not being able to see mm -hmm. friends and family friends and family um or having to actually go through the experience of like someone you know getting really sick or mm. um you know a lot of people have lost family members and close friends and well, we did and, i mean omar's uncle passed very early uh, in it was in may of 2020 so that was right at the beginning um, wow. And it was really sad because right at that at that state, at the beginning, there was so much that was unknown. Mm -hmm. No, you know, so there was no, I, if I recall, he, he didn't get to see or none of the family actually got to see him. Um, yeah. That's I really that, heartbreaking. Yeah. It was really sad. And I think fortunately he didn't suffer for too long from what I remember, but... But yeah, that started to feel very, very real. And I think for a mm -hmm. lot of people who have lost people, it's, it's a very different experience. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely um, send out our hearts and love and all of that yeah. to those who have like struggled through this way tougher um, than others, mm. you, you know, to our point already, everyone's experiencing this in different ways. Right. So yeah, it, when you talk about something like losing a family member versus having to wear a mask, of course, all of us would be happy to wear the mask. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So 
So looking back over the past couple of years, you know, we had that like initial period where it was kind of, I feel like everyone was trying to understand something that you, that you just really couldn't make sense of. Um, again, it was just such like a stark, drastic change mm-hmm. to our daily lives. And then I won't put a timeline on it, but there was certainly some point in time, whether it was later in 2020, maybe as we brought in 2021, where, you know, I think a lot of us understood that this wasn't something that was going to go away, mm-hmm. at least not in the time frame that we had maybe supposed around that time, whatever that time was for you, did you kind of start taking stock of like, okay, this is how I need to shift my perspective and, and how I'm viewing the way we're running our business. Um, you know, thinking about your personal care and your personal choices to travel, not to travel. Mm -hmm. Of course, all of us are dealing with different lockdown rules and all of that. What was kind of your mindset, I guess, around the time when you were like, okay, this is a new yeah, a new state of the world. Yeah. Mm. I mean, when you when you talked about how fast it happened and how drastic it was, I, I realised this when you were saying that before because I think back to January, February, March. So March was a trip to Japan, but I just remembered that in January and February we'd also gone to a conference in Nashville, Funnel Hacking Live, and uh-huh. then we had a, a um, we we went to one of our SAS um, Dan Martel's um, SAS events in Atlanta. So three months travel, 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 which was kind of commonplace for him and I. Um, a lot of the conferences are in the States. So then all of a sudden that stops. And it's funny because in some ways I didn't mind it from the perspective of how this is going to sound. So uh, first of all, problem, how exhausting those trips can be, you know, mm. how you feel obliged to, to, to go to these events because it's important and, you know, they, you, you get so much out of them. But you know, coming from Australia, they're really quite taxing and they're really quite exhausting. So it was almost like, well, that's okay. Um, we're, we're fortunate that we can still continue to run our business. You know, the team's remote. Um, we've always done the remote thing since 2014. Um, so nothing really changed from that perspective. And it was so almost felt, sounds like a bit of a nice pause, huh? It, yeah. And I always feel guilty saying that. No, I think a lot of people felt that way. I've talked to so many entrepreneurs and business owners who are like, I I think for a lot of um, people, they didn't realize how taxing it was too. It's almost like they had to take that break to realize what they were, Mm. you know, what that looked, what that took every single time they did it. So I, I certainly don't think you're alone in that. Right. And it almost, it gave us that pause and it made you question then, well, if all of these things that I was doing, I felt like I had to do them or I wasn't even questioning whether I had to do them or didn't have to do them. Um, what else am I like doing in life that I'm just doing out of habit? And so that pause was, was a real positive um, f- mm-hmm. for me personally. 
And I'm an extrovert. I get my energy from, you know, being with people. But at the same time, and I know a lot of people, I've heard people say this, they, it, it, it was kind of okay to, to be at home. Mm-hmm. I've heard families say it brought them closer together because they started spending more time together. The flip side of that is people that, you know, live alone or you know, who struggle to be on their own. And, and so those, that's why those experiences are so can be so vastly different. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, for, I think a I think about people too who don't have family close by and you know how you know travel was very restricted for a long time or um, perhaps visiting like elderly family members Mm -hmm. you know there's a risk there so that was yeah I mean I know a lot of people who are just seeing their family for the first time like within the past couple of months so I remember when we came back from 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 Japan so we we had to self-isolate we weren't allowed to see anyone we took it very very seriously and my mum came to the house we were living at the time and she stood at the front gate which was good like five meters from the actual front door Mm -hmm. this courtyard in front of the the front door and I had opened it and I said okay just wait there I'll open the gate and then I'll go back and you just stand there (laughs) And we can talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, my mom's like in her late 70s. And I remember that day, she, it was such a, it's not like we hadn't seen each other for months. She hadn't seen us for a couple of weeks, really. We were a few days into our into our self-isolation. And she got really teary and it was, Aww. it got a bit emotional. And I think that's maybe an overreaction as it might have seemed at the time. I think that just got worse over time when people couldn't see each other and how it was so unnatural to be standing that far away from each other and not to be able to hug. Mm -hmm. Um, So all those things that we took for for granted. And I know everyone's had that experience, like the little things that then mean so much now. Um, That to me has been a positive that's come out of this time because we value something as simple as being able to stand close to someone and hug them when you've come back from a trip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. I mean, that uh, it really, I think, brings up to just the emotional toll and the emotional stress that surrounds all of this that, you know, unfortunately, I don't think is talked about enough um, and isn't being supported enough Because that's, I mean, it's against like human nature and, Mm -hmm. you know, what we have always done is like, you know, be with our family. And did you, um, I know the second lockdown for us was much harder on Omar than it was on me. I felt like the second time we went into lockdown, I became super productive I felt like a lot, I got a lot accomplished (laughs) in the second lockdown, but it was much harder for him um, because he felt so, he felt powerless. He felt like he had done everything that he was required to do. And yet there were all these impositions um, and he was struggling with it for, for some time. I don't know if, did you guys feel any struggle during that time? Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of I don't really know if we had a 
first and a second lockdown, <laughs> like, you know, it kind of all starts to blend together, really. Um, but Puerto Rico was very strict from the beginning. So that night that we were at that restaurant and that we were told, like, lockdown was happening, I think it was probably for a good, like, four or five months. I'm trying to remember date-wise mm-hmm. to get, like, a more exact picture of it but like we weren't allowed to go on walks we weren't allowed to go on runs um I remember circling my backyard to try you know we're very lucky to Mm -hmm. have a gym at our house we have weights because we do work with a virtual trainer and we had just so happened to get a peloton um Mm -hmm. just a few months before so we were very lucky to have like at least some equipment here we could use but like you couldn't go out and do anything you could only go to the grocery store or to medical appointments for months right yeah because i remember when we got on our calls i think in sydney we had gotten out of our first lockdown and life kind of almost returned to normal in many ways things opened Mm -hmm. up for us we didn't have as many cases I think we locked our borders, our island borders, very, very fast. And so I think our cases were under control. And I remember um, having calls with you and and other other friends overseas. And they were like, and I remember feeling a bit weird saying, oh, no, things are open. We're able to go to cafes, restaurants, pubs. Life is normal. We don't have that many cases. Meanwhile, the, the world was different parts of the world were, you know, it was carnage. It was so tragic how many lives mm-hmm. were being lost and what was being reported. And we had a very different experience. I think, yes, you were in lockdown for much longer. And then that's why I think we ended up going into another lockdown later on because of a whole, I think a whole bunch of other things that happened with our vaccination rollout, all of that. But yeah, we were living, I remember, a very different reality at some point. Yeah. And just to think of, you know, how many businesses, um, you know, companies, entrepreneurs, um, you know, that lost everything because of Mm -hmm. it's I mean, I think a lot about just unintended consequences of everything Mm -hmm. that's been happening over the last couple of years. You know, sometimes you don't necessarily do it knowing that something's going to happen, but something like locking people down and telling them that they can't go out and do anything. I mean, of course that's going to drastically affect the, um, you know, your geographical location and, and how the infrastructure works. And, uh, I mean, not to mention like supply chain and and everything that's happened with that and how that's affected businesses and even everyday shopping. Yeah. But yeah, I do remember being quite antsy because I'm a runner. I love my walks Mm -hmm. and my hikes. Um, and of course, I, I do consider myself more of an introvert, although I do really love my time with the people that matter most to me, the, you know, close friends and stuff um, and, and conferences. You know, I really miss the conference scene because like you and Omar, John and I, that was very much a part of our regular schedule traveling. Like mm-hmm. I was quite devastated at the trips that we canceled. We had like a 23 day river cruise planned May of 2020 that we canceled. We were supposed to travel through Europe with my parents, which, you know, was going to be a really special trip for us to share with them. And, um, you know, visitors supposed to come down mm-hmm. us 
going to take other trips. So yeah, there, but you know, like you said, it's all, it's all perspective, right? Because sure, I was sad to not be able to do that kind of stuff. But the flip side of it is I'm very grateful that to your point, our business was not really affected at all. I mean, we have a virtual team. We've always run virtually. So I'm very grateful for that. I'm very grateful that my family's in good health. And there were definitely times that I was ready to get out and travel and do things. But, you know, trying to practice patience during this has (laughs) been quite the feat. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I feel like I felt that the mindset I took on quite quickly was let's just focus on what we can control and so then you know when we did we were in that post lockdown um, when things were kind of a little bit normal-ish here in around the middle of 2020 I had then the opportunity to elective surgeries had opened up so I went for my uh, operation uh, when mm-hmm. that was available, I was like, I'm going to do it. This is a great time. If I was, if it was any other time in the previous year, I'm sure I would have had a scheduled trip or I've got a million better things to do than, you know, have surgery and be out of commission for a number of weeks, right? All these kind of, you know, luxuries or things you just take for granted and say, no, 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 I'll do it at a better time. I'll do it when it's more convenient for me. Well, you don't, when all of a sudden that convenience is taken away, you realize, wow, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to jump on this. This is an opportunity. Uh, And so I remember when I got that call from the doctors, my surgeons, um, secretary and she said there's a date available do you want to take it it's earlier than planned and I said without hesitation as even as you know we've talked about how nervous I was about that surgery um I just said yep I'll take it because I don't know when they're going to close that you know the hospitals are going to shut down again yeah I did not realize that that was during COVID that mm-hmm. for some reason I was thinking that you did that before wow mm-hmm. and the the fact that too, that during that time, certain things were taken away, like no visitors. I remember Omar dropped mm. me off at the hospital. He couldn't even enter the building. So I was alone. And you could say yeah. that's much harder. But again, I was like, well, I'm not going to complain that I'm on my own. I'm fine. I'm a grown adult. I can do this. Uh, just because I don't have people right around me right now to hold my hand before. It would have been nice. Sure. But I just thought, no, I'm just super grateful that I'm able to do this today. So that really stayed with me. Um, and I think it helped. It helped also when Omar was not having such a great time in the second lockdown. And he got out of it really quickly. And I know it's been really hard for people um, because it's such a it's such a challenging time. Like you can. Yeah, it goes without saying. But um I just had that mindset of, well, there are things that are good that we can focus on and mm-hmm. let's just stay focused on that. Yeah, quite similar to you, Nicole. I have constantly tried to bring myself back to a mindset and perspective of what can I focus on that is moving forward right now? What can I focus on that is good that's come from this time, this pause? Um, I really do feel like a lot of people needed that time. It was almost like a mandatory break for people to really reevaluate what they were spending their time doing, 
how they were maybe running their business, the time that they were or weren't um, spending with their family. And I know for John and I, it gave us, you know, a lot of opportunities to carry on projects that maybe otherwise would have, they certainly would have gotten done, but maybe not within the time frame that we were able to do them because we weren't traveling, because we didn't have, you know, conference commitments and the, these other things going on. Um, and one of the biggest things was John launched his book with HarperCollins um, January. Well, January was when we really turned it on, like December 2020, January 2021. And then the book launched March of 2021. And being able to put his head down and like for a couple months straight, just write every single day. Um, he was able to record the full audiobook right here in his home, you know, studio, aka an extra bedroom in our house. <laughs> um, and looking back at the things that we've been able to accomplish, I'm proud of how we've shown up during this time because it would have been really easy to fall off a recording schedule. It would have been really easy to stop showing up for our community. It would have been really easy to you know, just say, this is really hard and mm -hmm. let's just stop. Um, yeah. but I do think it's really important, you know, more so than maybe any other time to show up and to be there for, you know, for yourself, of course, but also for your audience, for your followers, for your family, for your friends. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm happy to be able to say that I'm proud of how I showed up through all this. I love that. And I felt, so I, I'm the same. Like I do feel quite proud. I do feel proud of how I showed up as well. Like in that second lockdown that we went into, um, that's when I took the opportunity to get a personal trainer. I didn't want to let go of my health goals. And I really changed the way I approached health and fitness did things that I didn't enjoy, but was the only thing available to me. And I felt like I'm going to just make the best of this. We launched uh, the podcast in this time uh, because I had, I had more time. I had, I, and, and I thought, why not now, you know, now's a good time um, as ever. And so I am proud of that. And, and I have that guilt sometimes in sharing that because I do know how many people have struggled uh, or because, Oh, well, I didn't have, I don't have children at home or mm -hmm. I still was able to keep our business running and, and generate an income. And I know that's not the case for a lot of people, but why I think it's still important to feel proud is because we still could have had a different attitude towards it, still could have complained or been upset, or whatever, that I couldn't travel, but I just chose not to. I really really chose as much of that as that sounds like a first world problem. Oh, poor you, you can't travel anymore. Yeah. I could have just as easily made that choice to be frustrated with everything around me. And I just made the choice to, to not be and to take as much control as I could and to come out of it saying, I did this, I did that. And that was a choice. A, cho a choice that's tough to make, too, because you have to constantly make that choice. It's not like you make that choice one. Like, mm -hmm. if you make the choice to give up, then you just give up. But if you mm -hmm. make the choice to repetitively and consistently show up, you have to make that choice every single day. 
And I mm-hmm. think that's a big difference. Yeah. And yeah, you mentioned parents and having kids at home. My goodness. That is, you know, we've talked multiple times about maybe inviting a third person onto our chats mm-hmm. to really talk about some of the challenges and, and, um, you know, and I think for some people, homeschooling has become a, a beautiful thing for them, mm-hmm. but I, I know that that's not the case for everyone. <laughs> and, you know, having somebody on who can share that perspective, I think is really important because I know so many people can relate but yeah, I I think that that is also just like a healthy dose of empathy to really be able to try and understand as best you can without really ever truly being able to understand, you know, with kids as an example, neither of us have children, so we really can't understand, but I think it's still important to have those conversations, to be there for people who do, who are going through a really challenging time. You know, your kid's in school, your kid can't come to school. You have to figure out what you're going to do with your work or your job because your kid's at home today and you didn't expect your kid to be at home today. And, you know, that's like just a slice of any number of other things that are going on with you know, having to kind of rearrange a lot of stuff that a lot of us never thought we were going to have to rearrange ever. And just as important as it is to to acknowledge that experience of families who struggled with homeschooling and all of that, I will say, and I know this is going to sound terrible probably to the parents out there, I, I will say that I was grateful that because I know how hard it was to have kids at home at times. Mm-hmm. And there were moments where I thought, okay, well, I don't. So let me make the most of this. And I think it's important to give voice to those who don't have, um, who are in that, in that experience, in that camp of, okay, well, there's less responsibility there. That's okay. That that's the situation. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a choice. How are you going to be grateful? How are you going to show up? Because you're quote unquote free from that responsibility. But it's not all sunshine and rainbows as well, you know. And for us, I mean, I've talked about it. 2021 was one of the hardest years um, in in business for other reasons. And Mm -hmm. it's not like we came out of this unscathed. (laughs) But again, super grateful to still be here and to have family around. I mean, going back to perspective, I really think it just... and, And you mentioned this earlier it becomes real clear what's most important to you Mm, and it becomes real clear what you want to be spending your time doing. And I think that's a blessing. Mm. I've, I've really like grabbed hold too of, I've been working towards this, but I think this was really an extra push in terms of looking at, uh, not wanting to regret not doing certain Mm. things. I think it's been a big push of like, this is it. (laughs) There's not a redo or a rewind or a reset on your life. So, yeah. And I mean, talk about just the different things that we're encountering every day that we probably didn't expect to. Shout out to all my future brides and grooms who are (laughs) trying to plan a (laughs) wedding right now, um, which has definitely brought on its own set of challenges. (laughs) Um, 
So, yeah, I know, I mean, I know several people myself who have had to, you know, push their wedding. I know a lot of people who have done very unconventional, um, you know, setups because they want to just get married already and they're (laughs) sick of like pushing and waiting. And I think back to, so John and I got engaged December, 2020, Gosh, I can't believe it's been over a year. <laughs> that, so December 2020, does that mean you had planned a shorter engagement, given that you were planning the wedding for April 2022? Right. So I think that when we got engaged, we were happy to say, you know, this clearly isn't a great time to plan something super fast. Mm -hmm. Um, so we were happy to have a longer engagement. Um, but we did at one point start talking about, uh, December, 2021, which would have Mm -hmm. been, you know, one year, pretty traditional engagement. Um, but it became, once I dove into research about where we might get married and what was available, nothing was available. I mean, it was wild. The there, I was literally going to, we were looking in Mexico for a while. I was looking at a bunch of all-inclusive resorts like Cancun, Puerto Vallarta, Cabo sold out, fully booked all of 2021 into 2022 summer of 2022. And this was like June of 2021. I mean, more than a year out, places were just completely booked. The crazy thing about it is that I thought April 2022, (laughs) like that's so far away. We got this. (laughs) This will be done and dusted. (laughs) And here we are. And here we are. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I feel I feel anyone who's going through that for sure. Oh, I know the oh. Yeah, when we talked about how many industries, the domino effect, event planning, all of that has been... Well, it's so crazy, just the waves, right? Because mm-hmm. for a while, just everything completely shut down. And then all of a sudden, everything's completely booked out. And then it's like booked out, but maybe it'll happen and maybe it won't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then, like, I know cruises set sail quite recently. Uh, and, oh, really? And now that's kind of, you know, it just seems like this on-again, off-again relationship that's, like, so toxic, but mm. both people yeah. keep engaging in it. <laughs> like, break up already. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no, so your date now is set and given the the state of i mean you know we're in a very different state here in australia you know the rules are different somewhat to what they are in the states but um for you it's a go it's a go it's a go that's it it's it's become so old hasn't it to just keep saying oh by that stage I think we yes. just we don't know we just one of the things that I've accepted too is like stop speculating there's just no point it's just wasted energy wasted breath to speculate and but it's so to, hard not to because it's, it's so human isn't it right yes. it's such a natural thing to do we just want to know right yeah because we're oh, hopeful yeah beings. it's so difficult mm-hmm I see, like I even like I want to speculate right now. <laughs> you want to give us a, a prediction as to when this will end? Let's, oh um, goodness! 
Mm. I know. God, I had people, friends in the beginning say, oh, this will last 10 years. I'm like, 10 years? Come on. It'll be done in a year. Please, please don't mean, last 10 years. Don't <laughs> last 10 years. Now I'm more like, I'm sure it'll be over by 2022. Sure. I keep thinking like, what happened to herd immunity? I thought we were supposed to reach this a very long time ago. I know. Omar and I were talking about that yesterday. Why don't the doctors and scientists tell us, is this playing out like the way it's supposed to, endemic and all that? Can somebody just tell us? Yeah. Because we're guessing here. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, Nicole, as we said earlier, um, we are not scientists or medical professionals or any of that. So I guess our speculations will have to take the sideline. So friends, as we close out today's chat on pandemics and COVID-19 and all the experiences, we hope that you've picked up a thing or two you can carry with you today and moving forward to give you that extra boost of confidence and support when you need it most. Friends, if you enjoyed this conversation and you have a friend in mind who might also find this conversation helpful, share it with them. Send them to canrelatepodcast.com or have them search Nicole and Kate can relate on their favorite podcast app. Until next time.